Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing with your hosts, Asif Khan and Abriana Lopez. All right, we are back with your favorite podcast of the week. This is This Week in Location-Based Marketing. It is episode number 391, and we are recording live on Sunday morning, uh, November the 25th. Abriana, how are you? I am great. Um, a very foggy, <laughs> cool day here in Atlanta. I'm doing good, though. It's been like a nice break from work. Um, we had Thanksgiving this week, obviously. So basically from like Wednesday on, I've been kind of doing the family thing, which has been wonderful. Um, but I'm looking forward to, you know, kicking back into gear tomorrow. How about you? Yeah, it's been, uh, been it's been really good. It's uh, It was super cold last week. We had this, like, I don't know what, where it came from, like abnormally cold for this time of year for a few days. And then it's rebounded on the weekend, but we've been getting rain. It's sunny right now, though, um, and nice. But, uh, yeah, at least it's back to normal November weather for us. Um, and I'm off to Europe tonight for uh, four LBMA events in four different cities uh, this week. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so we're kicking off tomorrow night in Paris, and then uh, London, Brussels, and Amsterdam, and then I'll be back on Friday. So, yeah, crazy. Craziness begins, yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited about, like, our so the Paris and Brussels are brand new chapters, so these are the first events that we're doing there, and uh, yeah, it looks like we're getting a good response, so thanks to uh, S4M and uh, uh, the folks at Mobilosoft in Brussels as well, so. Awesome. Yeah. All right. So well, we got I'm excited a, to hear uh, how all that goes. Lean show uh, for you. Three industry news stories, three member news stories, and I'll let Abriana kick it off. Yeah, I'm going to kick it off with an announcement um, from Map Anything, and Map Anything um, has raised 42.5 million dollars. This is a Series C um, round, and this is led by GM Ventures and Andrew Leto. Um, so it's also in participation with some of their existing investors like the Salesforce uh, Ventures and a bunch of others. Um, so if you don't know about Map Anything, they started back in 2009 and they are a data visualization and location-based services software. Um, you know, it's, they're a startup still, I guess. I, I guess after nine years, they're still considered a startup. But um, so it, it's a suite of products, right? So it's like the where of apps and platforms that services. Um, are using so they use this to drive productivity plan across multiple use cases when they started out I think it was more of like for employees seeing how they moved and and how they moved um, alongside of other things that were moving um, but they have about 2,000 b2b companies that are currently leveraging um, their solutions so that's pretty a pretty I would say like deep uh, a client <laughs> list there um, but I'm excited to see what else they're gonna do with this funding um, so obviously internet of things is just growing. The industry is growing, growing. I think they're, you know, quoting 20 something billion in the next couple of years. And so, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they can like leverage the location and this, this unique and differentiator, um, as a, you know, as a competitive differentiator, I would say, uh, for what they're doing. But, um, I think it's interesting also how they're linking in with Salesforce from a CRM perspective. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think anything that has to do with data and location being part of that data and then utilizing that information to make educated decisions for your business is a great tool. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what Map Anything does here in the future. 
Yeah, I mean, this is uh, a lot of fuel uh, in the tank, right? $42.5 million. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Map Anything. I think these guys are, uh, you know, they've been at it for a while. They they know what they're doing. They've got great partners. You mentioned Salesforce. Um, you know, I, I think, it, you know, being part of that program that they're, they're connected into, the Premier ISV partner program. And I noticed, too, like as part of this round, Salesforce is also, Salesforce Ventures is also one of the investors. So... That's a, a good yeah. endorsement, right? Um, in terms of you know solidifying that partnership, uh, and there's a lot of other people in this GM Ventures, Andrew Leto, um, you know, Great Graycroft, um, you know, a lot of a lot of big, uh, well-known VC firms and and people involved with this. So um, yeah, you know, for me, it's uh, I've always not only do I like these guys as a as a platform solution provider i think the name is great it's so simple map anything right it's it, you know it, it makes it makes <laughs> sense what to they me, do. Right? you know <laughs> asset tracking and and all of that um so yeah i'm a big fan of uh of what these guys do and uh excited to see kind of how they use this capital to to grow further uh from here so all right on to our uh our second story this week uh, is really, a, in a way, another investment moving over to uh, to China now. Baidu uh, has invested $300 million in a company called Xichao, I'm going to say. Is that right? Xichao yeah. Media. I think uh, It's X-I-C-H-A-O. I'm terrible at these uh, pronunciations, but uh, I try my best. So full apologies there. Um, so this is a company, um, that is in the elevator advertising business news inside the elevator, kind of like elevator news network we have here, uh, in the U S uh, and in Canada, um, similar type firm. But what's really interesting besides the money, the 300 million that they're putting into this, um, what they're saying is, is that, uh, part of this deal is, is that, uh, is, is about data integration. It's about pulling the data from Baidu's search data that they have, and they're still number one in search in China by far, uh, and using that to, you know, through algorithms and AI, uh, to sort of more, uh, inform and have better targeting at the ads that are running in the elevators based on, you know, the behavior of the people who are there. So this is all about what we talk about every day at the LBMA, um, you know, personalized, hyper-local type of engagement. Uh, Chin Chow, I'm going to go again. I'm going to try this again. Chi Chow. Um, uh, they say they say they have uh, ads running in 700,000 elevators uh, across 100 Chinese cities. So, um, so yeah, it's a big deal. And uh, just to kind of give it something to benchmark against, uh, Baidu's one of their major competitors, Alibaba, uh, has made a similar type of investment in a rival uh, to these guys uh, called Focus Media um, for two billion dollars. So, um, you know, this is this is uh, always when you're in this kind of uh, game between major behemoth billionaire companies. Um, you know, it's it's about how you you know can pull these uh, stay competitive right in the marketplace against these guys. So. Um, yeah, we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, I think what's really interesting here is you've got Baidu, um, who definitely has the search data, right? So they know what people in the area are searching for. Um, but um, on the other side, I think you mentioned Alipay, and they have, did you say Alipay or Alibaba? Alibaba. Okay. So, um, but you know, I think the different, <laughs> the differentiator 
is going to be who has the mobile data, right? So having, you might have like the search data when they're searching from home and that's great. But if you have the location data about where devices are moving throughout the day um, and where they're going and those audiences and those segments, so you know, like when, you know, at this time, this is like the audience that's coming onto the elevator. It's more like executives at this time, or it's more executive assistants at this time or whatever it may be. Um, that will be kind of very interesting to see how that plays out. I'm geeking out on the data over here. So yeah, it's, it's a data junkie's <laughs> dream, right? It is, it is. Um, all right, so our third story this morning is um, from Mobike. And this is interesting to me. They've teamed up with um, a very popular and very couture brand, Louis Vuitton, right? So um, what happens now is like when, when and, and they're doing this um, for an exhibition. It's not like, just a, you know, an open-ended partnership here. Um, but they've, they've teamed up for this exhibition that Louis Vuitton is doing, and it's called, now I'm going to butcher this one, Voles, Vogues, Voyages, and it means fly, sail, travel. Um, so this just launched on November 16th, so like two weeks ago. And um, it's an exhibition, it's like an artistic rendition of Louis Vuitton's 164-year-old history. So they had it in New York City last year. This year they've moved it to Shanghai, China. So I'm thinking, I'm trying to like understand this whole concept and this uh, this strategic alliance and partnership here. And I'm what I'm can like kind of what I'm understanding here is that like the crowd that's using a mobile biking service that they can rent with their phone in Shanghai is very different than the crowd that's going to be doing that here. Just a thought um, in the United States. So when, whenever Mobike users are, are in that area, right, they're going to receive a digital invitation to Louis Vuitton exhibition as soon as they open the bike sharing app. That's great. But I'm like, who is Louis Vuitton really trying to draw to their exhibition? Just anybody? Are they wanting to share their history with everybody? Or I think of that it's a very like unique audience, right, that's going to be able to buy and spend money and, you know, have an interest in that. Um, so I don't really get this, but I still love the idea of it. Um, but the core mechanism of the location-based services that's like automatic, you know, that Mobike is using is automatically recognizing the current location of the user, obviously based on the phone and the device that they're connecting with. Um, and then it's kind of informing them around the events that are happening in that surrounding area, which I think is really cool. So they can tell people like where to sign up, where they can acquire virtual badges of the brand or whoever else they work with in the future, um, and then participate in certain events. So I think that the play itself is very cool. I just don't get it for a brand like Louis Vuitton, but it's interesting. Yeah. I I mean, for me, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on the connectivity between this particular brand and this platform, because as you say, I think in North America, this is a big stretch, but here in China where this is playing out, I mean, you're talking about one of the biggest bike sharing companies on the planet. Uh, I mean, these guys are, I don't know, like I read somewhere a while ago, I think they're they're producing 50,000 bikes a day in their manufacturing facility. Um, like it's a massive, massive audience right? Crazy, that, they're, yeah. that they're reaching. Right. Um, and they're global too. Like while this is in Asia, like these guys are in like 200 countries. Um, they're all over the place. Right. So I, I think if they're moving this kind of campaign around, uh, that I get, um, you know, I, it, when I read the story first, I, I thought back to a project that we did at the LBMA 
with L'Oreal uh, here in Toronto uh, a few years ago. So they they sponsor an art festival here every year, every summer called uh, Luminato. And it's the L'Oreal Luminato Festival. And, uh, you know, part of the, the, you know, sort of the play for them is when you're sponsoring a big outdoor or art festival or thing, things like that, people are coming, people are seeing the art. And that's, that's the draw to them. But, you know, how do you measure engagement? How do you know how many people were actually there? How do you measure the return on your sponsorship dollars? All that kind of stuff is a challenge, right? So I see a little bit of that in this uh, for, for Louis Vuitton. You're already doing this, this art festival thing. Uh, it's already part of your brand. And it's, you know, how do you then find further measurement metrics engagement? And this is probably... I would say has to be part of a bigger, uh, you know, campaign around analytics and data collection, right? But certainly in terms of reach, these guys have, Mobike has a ton of reach, right? Um, they're yeah. all over the place, right? So it, it's um, it's really interesting to, to kind of look at some of the numbers around this. So, um, yeah, I mean... Yeah, I think that in terms of the numbers, you're right, because you've got, like, you have a confirmed group of an audience that saw the ad or saw, you know, the banner that talked about this exhibition, right? So you know that there was awareness with X amount of people that drove the bike within this time period, right? And yeah. then you can measure how many people actually came to the exhibition. And if you have the right, you know, data sources, you can definitely see if it's the same people that do that. But um, yeah, I mean, I think it, I ultimately think it's interesting. I think that the, you like this as a case for other brands is huge. Um, I'm not sure how effective it will be, but maybe, you know, for an exhibition, okay, if they were not doing this for an exhibition and just trying to drive traffic to their stores, be like, absolutely not. Yeah, it's a bigger stretch, right? But, the, but, but again, it comes yeah. back to the reach that these guys have, right? I mean, this is, this is a big, big company we're talking about in mobile care, right? Like this is, yeah. uh, they, I think they got acquired last year for like $3 billion or something by like, some, like one of the big Chinese web companies, something like that. I mean, like they're, they're huge, right? Like in terms of reach. So, uh, I get it. And as you say, I think other brands looking at this, this is a great way to reach audience, right? In terms of just numbers of people, sheer numbers of people, right? I, I know, I, I know they've done some work with Coca-Cola and Google as well, but, uh, yeah. yeah. So there you go. Louis Vuitton. Um, okay. So that's our, uh, three industry news stories for this week. Before, before we go into the member stories, I do want to say one thing, uh, on a personal note. Um, and I didn't tell Abriana about this yet, but, uh, well, you know a little bit about this, but I've been getting some questions, so I just wanted to put it out there. Um, so yes, I have a new company, uh, going as well. Um, uh, a couple of folks here in Toronto reached out to me recently and, um, yeah, as you may know, uh, cannabis is uh, now legal across all of Canada and it's created a lot of investment and a lot of, uh, companies coming into the marketplace up here and two folks that are based here in Toronto reached out to me recently and uh, they're experts in Google mapping data and social media data uh, and we're looking for somebody who had expertise in location and sensors and IOT uh, aspects of, uh, of the data and together uh, we've put together a, a new company called Can Analytics so think of it like um, a combination of Google Analytics, Google Mapping, and Yelp uh, type of uh, mobile engagement um, to collect data uh, on the movements of people around the industry. So it doesn't involve the product at all. It doesn't involve anything to do with you know the production side or anything like that. But it's really about 
data and analytics, um, the movement science, all the location stuff that we do here every day uh, around this industry. So um, I'm still running the LBMA. I'm still working with everybody uh, on the team. That's my uh, my main uh, my main gig. But uh, I'm also doing this other thing uh, on the side to uh, to try and help the industry a little bit. And it's interesting because as we've been kind of going out there with this. Um, government wants this data from an enforcement perspective. The media wants this data from a reporting and you know sort of just uh, telling stories perspective. And of course, the uh, the retailers, the dispensaries, the production companies, everybody around it wants data as well to know kind of where people are going and how far they travel and why they're going and so on. So there'll be more about that in, in kind of the months to come. Um, as we start rolling out this platform. But uh, if you have any interest in that industry, let me know. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll see if we can we can work with you. We're just, we're literally just getting going. We're just closing out our angel round this week. So, um, and then we'll, we'll roll out. So, um, yeah. So that's, that's the update for those of you who've seen my LinkedIn profiles or anything like that. So there you go. All right. Okay. So on cool. To, We're huh? excited to see how that goes. Yeah, yeah. But it's so cool. We're excited to hear how that goes. Yeah. You know, for, again, for, for the data people, right? Like it's, it's, uh, there's a lot of interesting opportunities around data in that space. So, uh, okay. On to our, uh, our member news now. Uh, three stories here as well. And uh, I'll kick off. We'll stay in, uh, in China, I guess, uh, for the moment. Uh, three stories that touch on uh, the Chinese market here. Tencent uh, has uh, made a, a pretty big decision here in partnering with one of our member companies here. Here, the, the global map uh, data company, and they've decided to standardize on here maps uh, for everything that they do, whether that's WeChat or QQ or any other platforms out there. Um, all of the mapping that, uh, all the map data that gets pulled into any of the queries that those platforms are doing, uh, outside of China that is, uh, will come from here. Um, so this is a big, big announcement, a big uh, win for uh, for here to uh, to get uh, such a deal, and uh, yeah, it's interesting. Like, it, and when I read it, the first thing that kind of popped to me, you know, was it's everything outside of China, and I was like, well, what's happening inside of China, right? And then I, then I remember like a conversation I had with some folks at the uh, Open Geospatial Consortium some time ago about how Chinese government purposely. Um, kind of uh, manipulates the map data. They don't want it to be too accurate. They have something that people refer to as the wobble, uh, where, you know, the map data is actually, I think it's like two or three meters off uh, from what it should be um, on purpose. Um, I don't know why, but it's just what they do, I guess. Um, you know, it's China, so it's a different world over there. Um, but uh, everywhere else, including Japan, uh, all the map data now is going to be provided by here. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that um, also, I mean, think about the coverage that here already has, but the um, I think like the enhancement in their product that this, um, this I guess, partnership or, or, or Tencent as a, as a client is going to give them, right? So having that um, that constant feed of data coming in is going to further refine their data. So I would imagine that this is not only good from a client perspective, but from future clients and, and the um, overall value um, and accuracy of their data. So very yeah. cool. Yeah. All right. So getting into the Christmas spirit a little bit, we've been talking about toy catalogs. Did you shopping. get yours yet? No, I still have not got 
man, I've been waiting. I get American doll catalog, which I've never bought and hopefully will never have to buy. But, um, you know, like I'm getting all these other random catalogs that of places I've never shopped at, but I still have not got Amazon. Send me my catalog. I need it. Um, but Walmart, one of our, you know, great members has launched something sort of in line with that, right? So you've got, um, an interactive toy lab is what they're calling it. And this is really interesting. So what it is, is it's an interactive video, um, where children can see and to some degree, you know, interact with these toys. So they've selected 20 toys, like the top 20 toys that children have rated, um, and then they get to kind of play with them. Right. So the way that this works is, um, it's like you've got these 20 different toys and then there's different buttons that you can choose, like kind of the, it's almost like pick your story, right? Like mm -hmm. which ending do you want? So you get to do look, play a fun cam. And then there's like a don't push button. So the look button obviously is, um, there's another kid. I watched the video. It was very fun. And this kid's like showing you, how to do, you know, how, how does this look like? What does it look like from all the different angles? And then there's a play button. So it shows you like how he's playing with it, how he's interacting with it. Um, and then there's a fun cam of the kid just doing something fun with the toy. And then don't push is like turns the, the video upside down, does something funny, you know, just, I guess to keep kids entertained. Um, so they have different toys like Barbie dream house, imagine next Jurassic world, Jurassic Rex, Lego creator, pirate roller coaster, all these random different toys that I guess are, are like very, you know, popular right now. Um, and they're calling it, everyone gets a golden ticket or a golden t gold ticket. I don't know. Um, but it's developed by New York city based interactive entertainment shop called echo E K O. And this is the first time they've worked together. This is the first interactive toy video or toy lab that Walmart has put out. I think this is really fun. I mean, I think that, you know, you can, put the iPad in front of your kids and be like, Hey, what do you like? You know, what, what do you, you know, what are they playing with? What looks like it piques their interest? Um, cause you know what you hate is like you spend 50 or a hundred bucks on this toy and then your kid gets more joy out of playing with the box and you're like, why did I even do that? So maybe this is kind of like a little bit of a way to see like, Hey, here's Santa's workshop. Here's some of the special toys they've got. What are you interested in? So, um, I think this is really cool. I think it's a great idea. I'd love to see like, because of the fact that this is in front of kids, they're obviously not collecting or storing any PII, but I'd love to see them pull in some type of location, like a passive location um, anonymously, for example, like from an IP address, getting just like a zip code or a postal zip plus four or something like that to know like what toys are trending in which areas, um, because that to me would be interesting. I wonder if it's going to differ based on, you know, what's popular in your area or just interest level, or maybe one's more of an outside toy and you live in a better, you know, environment to be playing outside at that moment. I don't know, but I think this is really great. I love that Walmart just, um, is constantly trying new things and this one is definitely like more of a digital play and I think it's really fun. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think that, uh, it is super fun. I watched the video. It looks great. It, it's, uh, and I agree with your comment too about, uh, you know, looking at what's trending from a location perspective. So, uh, if you're EKO people listening to this, call Aubriana she can help you with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, also why, like you guys should be creating not just like a toy lab for yeah. kids, but how about a toy lab for like, you know, for the men in your life, for the woman in your life, like what are the different things go. that are, you know, 
that would be super cool. Yeah, and I like the I like the leave behind piece too. Like where like you there's that custom URL where you can go to and kind of you know watch yeah. the, watch your own video uh, of interacting with this. I think that's really cool. I think that you know to your point what you said of like kind of the create your own story kind of thing. Um, I like that aspect of it. I think I remember I can remember when my kids were young and like the books you know like where you do the you know, the name books and all that kind of stuff where they, you know, it's, it's personalized to your kid's name and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, and I, I think those types of things where people can see themselves with that toy or, you know, associate with it. I, I think it, it's about creating some kind of little, you know, brain, um, stickiness, right. Uh, for that, between that kid and that toy and, and, uh, uh, you know, so that the parents can't say no, because you're just, it's, it's always there, right? <laughs> I don't know how it works, but yeah, there's a lot of psychology that goes into this stuff, right? So it's, um, it's For powerful. Sure. Though. Um, and I, I really like how they put this together. I think it's, uh, it's a neat combination of video technology, um, and, uh, that sort of personalization aspect of things and, uh, and good on Walmart for trying it. So there you go. All right, our final story this week, um, over here to Canada now, where 7-Eleven uh, has announced that they are rolling out a partnership with WeChat and Alipay. Um, and, you know, like, it's interesting because we, you know, we started off talking about Tencent and Alibaba, and we're, here we are closing out again with these guys. So they're everywhere. They're everywhere now. Uh, they're not only a Chinese company, they are global companies. And... Uh, they have a, um, we've talked about these guys before, they have a, uh, there's a company here in North America called Sitcon, C-I-T-C-O-N, which is basically a, um, an integration partner for WeChat and Alipay, and they're going out and they're trying to do deals with North American retailers and brands. Um, and obviously they have a partnership with 7-Eleven, uh, and they are rolling out here in Vancouver and Toronto at 35 locations initially, uh, payment acceptance on these platforms. And, you know, what I like about this story is this, is we've seen WeChat and Alipay pushing into the North American market, um, primarily focused around targeting the Chinese tourist, the, the, you know, that, you know, the folks who come over here uh, to shop um, and are used to paying with WeChat or Alipay at home. And while they're, you know, touring and, and you know, uh, on vacation or just doing retail tourism, um, you know, they're, they want to be able to pay with the platforms that they're used to. And, you know, I, even recently when I was out on the East Coast with my wife on vacation, you know, we were at a tourist uh, stop, like these, this, this famous lighthouse in, uh, on uh, Peggy's Cove in Nova Scotia. Uh, and there's the gift shop and all of that. And one thing I noticed when I was there is Alipay and WeChat were acceptable there but that makes sense that made sense to me it was even it's the like a remote place on the east coast of canada it made sense to me because it's a big tourist destination there's buses of people that are tour buses coming in there all the time with people from all over the world that are coming to see this thing and to be able to accept that kind of payment makes sense to me what's interesting about this story is is now we're starting to see this this market mature a little bit and now it's moving into sort of more everyday life and things like 7-Eleven aren't necessarily what I would call a retail tourist destination, right? Um, and yet here we are uh, now starting to see that where it's becoming ma more mainstream. And so I like that. I think it's it's really interesting. They're doing this, they're testing this out as well uh, in uh, some of the Dallas area stores in the US. But uh, I think this is a, a solid uh, partnership. This is a good uh, 
maturity move for um, we uh, WeChat and Alipay and uh, good on Sitcon for pushing kind of beyond the tourist places. Yeah, I think it completely makes sense. I mean, um, you know, more and more there's times where I'm like, oh, they don't have Apple Pay here. I have to like get my wallet out and do this. And so I can only imagine that the more seamless um, options you offer as a retailer, um, you know, the easier it is obviously to take that money. So, uh, and then I think that also like the, it being passive, you know, it used to be like getting a credit card out wasn't like spending money because you didn't actually have to pull that cash out. Right. And now it's like gone even a step further where your phone is already, already an extension of your body. And so you're just like doing that. <laughs> so from, um, I think like from a psychological standpoint, um, I think you are going to get higher, higher dollars spent on something like that. And then from a reach standpoint, obviously, you want to be able to take whoever walks in your store's money. So, um, yeah, I, I'm glad that they're seeing this more as a global thing. And hopefully that expansion will continue. Yeah. And, and I think it's, you know, it's it's about uh, frictionless acceptance, right? I read an article uh, on the weekend, um, nothing to do with this story, but I read an article on the weekend talking about Sweden as a country. And they were saying that... Uh, they're getting close now. They don't. They expect by 2025 that there will no longer be physical cash in Sweden. Um, it, it's increasingly hard to to find any any retailers there that accept cash now. Um, and wow. already, um, I think they said 6,000 people so far, which isn't a massive number, but it's a significant number. Uh, already have embedded chips uh, in in like in their bodies for payment. Um, 6,000 people and they expect that's that's going to grow right and and I was talking to a bunch of people on the weekend about this like it, it's if you think about it it sounds weird but it's not that weird right because if you think about it you know we as a culture as humans like we have a history of doing things to our bodies anyways like we have we wear earrings we pierce our our, our ears right we put tattoos on our bodies like how far is it to go from that to a little chip in your wrist right? It's not like, I don't see it as that much of a leap, right? And from an identity and a payment and acceptance perspective, uh, I think uh, that's where we're going. So um, it'll be interesting to see how companies like WeChat and Alipay and Apple Pay and all these guys kind of move into into that kind of space as well. So yeah, that's it. We are done. You've been listening to This Week in Location-Based Marketing. This is uh, episode number 391. And uh, we will be back next week with uh, another show for you. If you have uh, story ideas uh, uh, for us, reach out and let us know. Uh, we did get a story idea this week, which we will put into next week's show uh, that I'm excited about that has uh, something to do with Christmas. So, uh, yeah, thanks uh, for listening and watching. And uh, we'll be back uh, in another week to talk to you again with 392. Have a great week, everybody. Bye.